Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, season number three. Yeah. Now, Tim probably doesn't care for this, but you know that sound that people make? There's like the announcement, and it's like a social media thing, like the da 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 da. Oh yeah, like the trumpety kind Can of thing. Can you do it? Can you do it? No, no, not that one. It's like ba 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 ba. Ba da da da. Ba da da da. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't, man. I thought for sure you know what I'm talking about. No, like the trumpety. Here I, don't, I don't know what that is. I know what it is. I know what he's trying to do. Sound. Every college student that's listening to this knows what I'm talking about. I guarantee it. Not everyone, because ours are different. But um, <laughs> we're different. I just gave myself Season a three. homeschool high five right there. Okay. So, <laughs> and if you're not he familiar, was not homeschool. If you're not familiar with what a homeschool high five is, I high fived myself over my head. It's because if I'm homeschooled, there's no other kids to high five. Um, so anyway, welcome to season three of the Thinklings <laughs> podcast. We've got a lot of great things for you this season. Lots of great things. We're going to start off by just saying, hey, if you're a student at Faith and uh, this is the first week of classes, oh no, this is going to air before. Yeah. Week before. So you're coming to school this week, returning students. Uh, some We have some new students that I think listen to this podcast, but welcome. If this is your first time hearing this, Welcome. And uh, invite your friends to listen to this with you. Uh, a couple of just, you know, housekeeping items, housekeeping items here. We did a thing uh, a couple of weeks ago. We made a Thinklings Instagram account. And uh, so go follow us. I know a lot of you young people, you're probably on Instagram. We, we have a Facebook account. We have a Twitter account. And those are great. The Instagram account. We're going to post like Instagram stories on that and probably do some Instagram lives. Oh, yeah. So if you want to see Tim and Andy and Charlie in their natural habitats, <laughs> you want to follow that Instagram account. Might do some giveaways and stuff. You might want to be following us on the socials for that. And when we but say we, we, we mean not Tim. <laughs> I don't know who else will be posting, but <laughs> I, I'm just really excited for one day when we finally get a MySpace page. <laughs> It's going to come back. All things hey, come we back. should also say, all of you l- listeners of ours who aren't students, welcome back to you, too. We're excited yeah. to have you back here. We have we have so many wonderful listeners, it's pastors really, uh, in yeah. the state. I know that listen. Uh, interestingly enough, there's a lot of ladies that listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So welcome, ladies. And uh, yeah, so another thing we did, another thing we did, <laughs> we made T-shirts. We oh, made yeah. T-shirts. And I know we talked about what we were going to put on the T-shirts a while back. There's only two things on the t-shirt. It's a nice, soft, amazingly soft, gentle, comfy, gray (laughs) Heather t-shirt that you will love till Mm. eternity. And uh, it is available in the Faith Bookstore. And it has the Thinklings logo on the left lapel. And on the back, it has our favorite C.S. Lewis quote. uh, The little knots of friends that turn their backs on the world are the ones that really transform it. And Tim had a nice revelation about uh, so good. the shirt with the quote. I did? Yeah. Remember? Oh, it's on the back. Yeah. So what does that signify? Right. So you're turning your back on the world and the the quote is on the back. So, so good. Yeah. And you've, turned, you've turned your back as a Thinklings listener to the wiles of this world. And you're like, I want to read good books mm-hmm. and have good conversations with my friends. And uh, I can guarantee you these shirts are medically proven, spiritually, and... <laughs> Uh, psychologically proven to increase 
your joy in discussing books if you wear them while you discuss books. So for all of those benefits, you want to come to Faith Bookstore and buy a t-shirt. And that's all backed by science, let me tell you. It's 100%. <laughs> it's science. You can't, you can't refute it. We had a fact check, too. Yeah. So and take a picture of yourself with your Thinklings t-shirt, tag us on it, and uh, we'd love to see you wearing your Thinklings t-shirt, uh, maybe even with your Thinklings mug. Yes. And if you do that on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, if you take a picture of yourself wearing the shirt, uh, we want you to hashtag it so we can find it. Uh, try to tag us, our page, our account, or whatever, depending on the platform, add us, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then put hashtag my Thinkling shirt. Ooh, hashtag yeah. my thinkling shirt and uh throughout the season we might have a giveaway or two and that's going to be the way that you get entered is to post pictures of yourself with or without a thinklings t-shirt but if you have a thinklings t-shirt put it on hashtag my thinkling shirt awesome if you've got like a thinklings group take a picture of you and your group doing what i'd say even the bible is exhorting you to do having a group of friends Okay, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter four, getting into the Word of God. Okay, Psalm chapter one, Proverbs chapter one. All right, and and thinking better. So we would love to see that. It's really what we're aiming at. So we're gonna this season. We're gonna be pushing for you guys to start your own groups like that. Yeah, and uh, you know what might be a good hashtag for that? If you took a picture with your group, you know the other one was my Thinkling's shirt. You could also hashtag it. My Thinklings group, mm-hmm. maybe? I think so. Maybe. And then that way we can, if there's, hopefully there's more than one, we can click the hashtag and see them all. So That would be great. Anyway, okay, with all of that, we're about to get to your regularly scheduled programming here. We're going to have books in business. And uh, sorry, Tim, I took your phrase, but we're going to do that. I just want to mention the books we're going to talk about right now, all three of them are available right now at the Faith Bookstore or FBB, fbbcbooks.com. Okay, so... With that in mind, we have some business to tend to. Books and business. Let's talk about some books. You know, it's just, I want to say it warms my heart that it was a year ago when Tim said that for the first time. And I remember thinking, huh? And now it's just a glorious sound. <laughs> so, <right>. so corny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it fits. Um, <laughs> sorry, Tim. No, that was rude. All right. So the book I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to talk great. about really quickly because my content this week is coming from it. Uh, it's called The Secret of Contentment by a man named William Barclay. Now, there's a theologian, Barclay, who's, you know, from yesteryear, not alive. This is He's a, a current day pastor. Um, this book is on the topic of contentment. And he, he said he's decided to write a book on contentment, not because I have it figured out and consider myself the most contented person in the world. Rather, I began to study and ultimately to write about contentment because I'm often discontented. And so I really like this book and there's, I'm going to talk about a number of books this season on the topic of contentment. I'm going to kind of do this little contentment odyssey. And, uh, he is going to be a really faithful guide. So as, as I'm walking through my materials, uh, I'm going to reference this book a lot. I really liked this one. Um, so anyways, so next week I'll give you like a juicy quote from it and I'll give you my rating. But this week I'm just going to recommend The Secret of Contentment by William Barclay. Okay, so my book today is Outdated by Jonathan Pakluda. That's P-O. It's really old. K. Outdated. L-U-D-A. Two points, Charlie. Two points, sir. The book is outdated. What what year was it written? The title of the book is outdated. Oh, the title of the book. Okay. 
and it was published this year. Was that officially Tim's first eye roll of the season, Charlie? <laughs> I think he was eye rolling earlier. Oh, okay. I felt it. I didn't see it. But and I by the way, I really it. do like books and business. It is actually a really fun thing. Um, but uh, the jokes part—it's a—it's a pun, and it's anyway. It's fun. <laughs> It's, it is what it is. Here we go. So uh, outdated. This book, I'm not a fan of dating just as a method of finding a spouse. I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> what and about carbon dating? The subtitle is Find Love That Lasts When Dating Has Changed. And um, there's a, a few things that I don't agree with in this book uh, by Jonathan Pakluda, but he gets a lot closer to... Uh, the truth than a lot of people that write on dating. And so I'm going to recommend it. I'm going to probably give it like a seven on the thinkling's goodness scale. Um, he does argue that, you know, dating is something that should be um, where you're looking for a wife. So he's against like this casual dating idea. He's also against this mystical idea of dating. Uh, you know, he has a whole chapter on this idea of love at first sight. And he's like, yeah, that's not quite where it's at. Amen. Um, and so uh, uh, he he discussed, he had some really interesting things to say about beauty. And his circle that he's working with is very different than mine. He has, he, in his ministry, he's dealing with a lot of people that ha, are worldly and even unbelievers. And so they've tried the world's system of relationships and uh, recognize the bankruptcy of it. And they turn to the Lord. So that's a praise. Um, and then in that, you know, um, he polls them and in the polls, you know, he asks the guys, are you asking girls out? And he's like, all the girls are always saying no. And then the girls, so they're like, the guys are never asking us out. And, and he's like, how is this? The guys are always asking girls out and they're always saying no. And the girls are like, no, they're never asking us out. And he figured it out. It's like the guys have basically this skewed view of beauty that's based from our culture. And they're all asking out the same, you know, top 10% girls. And so those top 10% girls are always saying no, because they aren't going to go out with everybody. So I thought that was kind of an interesting component where he's hitting on this love at first sight mentality and that our Christian subculture has built bought into it. And he's like, no, that's, that's not the way that it is. And he gives some practical advice on how to proceed forward with that, um, which I thought was helpful. Um, if you got a good guy that asks you out, then you should give it a chance and, um, uh, and guys, you know, if you know a good girl, then you should give her a chance. And if it falls apart, it falls apart. Again, I don't even really care for that method, but uh, for most Christian young people, they're probably going to have to go along um, that's a, that kind of a path. He also had some good um, advice. He could have been more descriptive, I think, on like boundaries in dating, um, but still he did better than a lot of books. And uh, he took a strong stand against self-pleasuring, which I was grateful for. You don't see that even in a lot of Christian books these days. Uh, so I would recommend uh, Outdated by Jonathan Pakluda. And this is relevant even for us because my wife and I are working on a book on this kind of topic. So at least until we publish our book, boom, there's one for you. Okay. The book that I'm going to recommend, it's not a book, it's a series. And I'm not sure if, uh, if I'm going to just promo the whole series. I might come back and mention a specific book later because I think of the series of four, some of them are more fun than the others. But the the series is The Wing Feather Saga by Andrew Peterson. If you're like, hmm, Andrew Peterson, I've heard that name before. He's actually got some popular music, but I'm not here to talk about his music. I'm here to talk about these books. And uh, it's it's the main character is an 11 or 12-year-old boy, 
and it follows him and his family. It's in, it's in a fantasy genre. So there's like, um, special powers and things like that. Uh, if you like, if you like things in the vein of, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, that type of thing, I think that you will enjoy this book and it's written from a distinctly Christian worldview. So that's helpful. So kids reading this are going to get a lot out of it from a virtue standpoint, but I'm just going to, I want to talk about the story, like forget about it's Christian, which is nice. And, uh, you know, just the story, it really ramps up. And as you get into book two, three, uh, I think the story is really good. And there are some twists and turns that are, I think really well done. And so you, you will enjoy it. I, I, I'll just say I got into book three and if you've read it, I'm not going to give any spoilers away other than book three, just like knock me, knock me off my socks. Okay. Like really good. The end of the series is good, but the story as it, it, it takes off and it's, it's a, the plane is on the runway and it's starting to fly and it's getting going. And then boom, like I think the end of each book and then really as it gets into two and three is just really, really fun. The story and, um, yeah, I, I would give it, I don't know if seven is too high. I can't remember what I gave some of the I other. Like a seven, seven, a seven, it's, eight it's, is a good. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely above a five. Have you read them, Stearns? I, so I started it. Our son is, uh, we're trying to decide. One of our friends gave us the advice. You don't want to let them read the book before they can catch it to an extent. And so I was reading it to gauge if he, so I got like 10 pages in and, uh, man, catching it. Uh, well, I don't know yet. I'm not sure. I, I had to put it aside for some other things. So here's, here's, so I'll, I'll give it right now. I'll give it a seven. It was intriguing to me. I will say that. I'll give it a seven. And here's the way I would like to promo it. And then with this, we'll get into our main episode. You might be asking yourself, is the wing feather saga worthy? Yes, it gonna, is. The whole time I was going to make the joke. But I'm like, I don't want to mess Charlie yes, up. Yes, it is. Wingfeather Saga is Four worthy. Four points. That was so, so good. Yeah. And if so you don't good. know, Andrew Peterson has a very popular Christian song, Is He Worthy? Oh, it's a, it's a good song. And so, it's yes, good. the book is good. Get it. It's available in the Faith Bookstore. <laughs> They're actually coming out with a special series, like a uh, promo with like a fifth book, which is Extra Tales coming out in October. Well, it's out already. The fifth it's out book already? is out. It's the box set that comes out in October. Yeah, that's so, what I'm, that was what I'm yeah. trying to say. There's a special mm-hmm. box set. With and then they mm-hmm. add a fifth title, which is like uh, tales, it's unfinished tales, or something like that. The fifth volume is n- is not part of the main story. The fifth volume is is tales. It's like, oh, I wonder what. By the time you finish the what, main story, you're yeah. gonna want more, and this will give it to you. What was Poto really like? You know, before Wing Feather, and it tells a little short story about Poto, and there's a bunch of those kind of tales. So that's the fifth volume. It's totally separate, and that whole set will be in a box. The, the fifth volume is available now. The whole yep. box will be out in October. And that's what I'm waiting for. I borrowed the books. I'm waiting to buy the box set. Boom. And I will purchase it from Tim Faith Bookstore. Anyway, on that note, now we're going to get to the main content, which is, as we already said, is, is Andy talking about contentment, defining contentment. And we'll see you next week. Today, I want to have a conversation about contentment. Last season, season two, we I did a, a little segment on Philippians 4.11. I'm going to read that for you. 
And uh, so it says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to bound in any and every circumstance. I have learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance of need, I can do all things through him or Christ who strengthens me. So we talked about that in season two. And the main reason I brought it up was to say that contextually, Paul is not saying you can do all things as in like I can go win a football game or whatnot. It's actually, it's, you can learn how to be content in whatever situation you're in. Well, I found that really helped my own soul. And I thought, I really want to devote some more study to it. So uh, I got a pile of books on contentment and I'm going to do, I'm going to read them and talk about them. And so today, what I want to have for a conversation is I'm going to look at definitions of contentment. So there's probably, there's like four books that I'm using right now to study contentment and I'm going to use some Greek and some dictionary stuff. So what I'm going to do is walk through definitions. We'll converse about them. And uh, I think we'll see that the way to find the way you define contentment uh, will end up leading you down how you solve the problem of contentment. And if you define it wrongly, your solution will be wrong. So let's start where we always start. The Oxford English Dictionary or any English dictionary. I thought he was going to say the Bible. Well, no, that's where most people. St- oh, I'm saying if, if you're going to define what a word. a heretic. If you're going to define a word, you pick up an English dictionary. So the Oxford Dictionary says this. Contentment is a state of happiness and satisfaction. Is that the online dictionary or did you actually get a book? No, that's the online dictionary. I have an actual paper dictionary, though. But no, I use the online one. I could have gone to dictionary.com, but I thought Oxford. So if you think about contentment being a state of happiness and satisfaction, that would actually rule out being content in certain situations. So what situations would you automatically not be able to be content in if you have to be happy and satisfied? Uh, When I'm hungry. Yeah. You can't be content when you're hungry. Happy and satisfied. When I'm working. Yep. I think for if you don't like your job, you could never be content in when your job. When you're tired? Yeah, when you're tired. I think basically, in, if you take the Oxford Dictionary's definition of contentment, um, you'll never be content unless you're also happy and you have enough. So that's interesting. Like in this sense, then if you're really, really sad about something, you couldn't be content. Oh, so like the death of a mm-hmm. family member or a yeah. pet. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther, uh, his daughter uh, was dying and he uh, went to her and said, you know, would you like to, you know, continue to live? And she's, and he said, she said, yes. And he's like, but would you also want to go and be at home with the Lord? And she says, yes, whatever God wills. And so he was uh, rebuked by that because he wanted his daughter here and he would not be satisfied if she wasn't in it. Here she is submitting to God. So it's interesting. If you only had that definition, what would you get? All right. So let's go to the Bible. Good. I, I, I see I juked you guys on that. Good right. try. So for the Bible, since I'm the Greek teacher, I'm going to use a Greek dictionary. Uh, just the normal caveat for those listeners out there. If you don't know Greek, it's okay. Uh, I'm going to use Greek because I'm trained in it. But if you don't, it's you'll see you probably get this from reading the Bible. Um, but hey, if you can learn Greek, go for it. So the Greek word for contentment that's used uh, in 1 Timothy 6.6 6 is autarkia, autarkia. And this is the definition that I get. 
a state of being content with one's circumstances. And then the glosses or like, you know, the way it would get translated as contentment or interestingly enough, self-sufficiency. And so first Timothy six, six says this, it's, you'll know the verse it's, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now there's another variation of this word autarkes, autarkes, and this one means self-sufficient or content. And they're both related. Um, Philippians 4.11 actually uses this form, and that's the one that says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now here, do you see how, um, like self-sufficient almost sounds, uh, sometimes if you're a self-sufficient person, you lean into arrogance and pride. But here, I think what it's saying is if you're self-sufficient, you have everything you need. Now, a very poor person could be self-sufficient, in a way that a very rich person isn't because they're, they're actually able to exist on what they have. Um, but the, the rich person could have the same thing. So it's interesting that in both these situations, the idea is not that you're happy. I can think that's what I want to point out. It's not that you're happy, but there is an element maybe of satisfaction here. All right. So now we're going to move to the books. Um, there's four books that I'm familiar with. There's actually a fifth one that I'm not I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm in the beginning of this series here. So Eric Raymond has a book out there called Chasing Contentment, Trusting God in a Discontented Age. And so he gives this definition and I really like it. He's because he says, contentment is the inward, gracious, quiet spirit that joyfully rests in God's providence. Hmm. God's providence. That's an interesting connection. Yeah. And actually, I think as we go through this, we're going to see that relying on and submitting to God's providence is one of the cornerstones of biblical contentment. I think Hmm. if you, if you're discontent, I think there's always a measure of God's not in control and he did something wrong. I think personally. So, um, now he, he's actually relying on two other authors from the 1600s, a man named Jeremiah Burroughs and a man named Thomas Watson. We're going to get to those books in a moment. All right. So the next definition, uh, that I want to point out is a man named William B. Barclay. He's not the uh, Scottish guy. He's a current day pastor. And he has a book that he wrote called the secret of contentment. And I really like this book. If you want to pick a book on contentment to read, I would say this is a great one to start with. And so he actually doesn't give a definition. He uses Jeremiah Burroughs' definition. Uh, And so we're just going to move over and go to Jeremiah Burroughs. Now, Jeremiah Burroughs wrote in 1648 a book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. So just from the title alone, you can see that he's saying contentment is very rare even, and I think this is the point, even amongst Christians. Of course, it's rare in the world, but even Christians struggle with this. And so he says this. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal of every condition. Now that's a mouthful that you can see where Eric Raymond is relying on this also. So let's just walk through that really quickly. Christian contentment has this attitude of sweetness Uh, It's a quiet attitude and it's a gracious attitude. Now, I think if you look at the scriptures, those are all um, typical 
characteristics that a sanctified Christian should be developing. So like grace, that's a characteristic of a Christian? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think so. It should be. I think online sometimes we get a different picture. Uh, 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 uh. Um, He also says that it's inward. And I think when we get down here in a minute, uh, that's that's going to be a big also puzzle piece that we're going to remember. So there's there's maybe one big cornerstone, uh, which is relying and trusting in God's sovereignty, that God's in total control of everything. Hmm. Then there's another cornerstone, and that's that this is an inward thing, not an outward thing. Now, it's seen outwardly, but we'll get to that in a minute. But I really like that he says it's inward. That I would say that's probably the source of it. The source of your contentment is not external to you. It's actually internal to you. And then he says, it's that you freely submit. And I like that he adds and delights in God's wise. And basically it's the sovereignty of God's wise and fatherly disposal of every condition. The idea here is that God is wise and he's our father and he, um, has disposed of, like given. Well, yeah, it's like the old, this is 1648, so it's like his overarching control of all events. Like okay, so the providence concept. Yeah, providence is the idea. So I, I like that it says freely submits to, but I really like that he adds delights because sometimes I can, with a very poor attitude, think I need to submit to God. And here he's saying that's not, that's good, but that's not good enough. I need to delight in the fact, and this is really going to test you. If you're going through suffering and you're going through trials and you disagree with what's going on and you're like, okay, but God's in control. I got to submit. And you have a poor attitude. I think at the heart level, you still think God's making a mistake. And I'm saying this, and this is hitting me in my life as I'm studying this. And it hopefully is, is going to challenge you in your heart too. So Jeremiah Burroughs, um, he, his book, I have not worked all the way through that one yet, uh, but it's, it's a classic in the field. Now, the next one, and I've worked in this one a bit more, is a man by the name of Thomas Watson. And Thomas Watson uh, wrote this book, The Art of Divine Contentment. He wrote it in 1653, and he actually uses the Greek word autarkeia. And he defines it this way. He says, it is the sweet temper of spirit whereby a Christian carries himself in equal poise in every condition. So let me read that one more time and just make some comments. It's a sweet temper of spirit. So the idea is that your spirit or your attitude, your nature is sweet, gracious. Again, do you see all these consistent themes coming up here of a good attitude? whereby the Christian carries himself, that is like conducts yourself, lives in equal poise. That's like the way you exist in every situation. Meaning you get really good news today that you got a job you wanted. Boom. You have a certain attitude. The next day you get really terrible news that you defaulted on a loan or you lost someone or you didn't get the job. After all, how does your attitude look there? contentment says my attitude is going to look the same in both places. Now, I think sometimes your initial attitude is the response of the flesh. And so it may not be your first ad- your first response, but it should be your final response. So it might take you time to process and do the internal heart work, but eventually you're going to come to the point where you submit to God sweetly and delightfully. Huh. Sounds almost like God's made the 
day of goodness and mm. the day of disaster. Man, that sounds like there's a time for everything in yeah, that Yeah, something in Ecclesiastes 7 or something like Be-yom that. Be'om tov. <laughs> tov. Tov. Be'om ra'ah. I remember that from your sermon, man. That was a really anyway, good. You have a couple yeah. more thoughts to finish, right? So yeah. yeah. So here's here's maybe um, three thoughts. So what happens is is and, and I like Watson. He says this is what it is, and then he says further the nature of contentment is revealed in three aphorisms. Now again, this is 1600s. An aphorism is this: a pithy observation that contains a general truth. And um, so here he's. He's basically saying, here's my definition, and here's three elements that are, are, are essential to that definition. All right, first element. Number one, contentment is a divine thing. It becomes ours not by acquisition, but by infusion. So he's saying the source of contentment doesn't come from ourselves, and we don't acquire it by going out and getting it. The source of our contentment comes from God, and it's something that's given to us, and I would say by the Spirit. So God has to give it to you, and it's a foreign concept to our sinful hearts. Consider the avarice or the greed of the world out there. People always want more. They never have enough. This is how capitalism can function so successfully. Hey, careful. Advertisement. No, no, I like capitalism. I'm selling I'm, stuff here. Yeah, I'm a capitalist. I'm just saying. You don't have enough books. You need to come buy some more. Oh my, but oh, the point though, Just go ahead. I know I'm being a jerk. <laughs> it's okay. But the point here is that you, you, you have to raise desire in people's hearts to sell products sometimes. And it's not that hard to do that because we're fleshly. Yes. And so here the nature, natural state of humans is actually against contentment. All right. That's the first aphorism that contentment is a divine thing. His second aphorism is that contentment is an intrinsical thing. It lies within a man. It is not the bark, but it is the root. And here the point is that contentment is something internal. It's not something external. Now, here is where the, the really the place that these books all shine is that they're pointing out that true contentment has nothing whatever to do with your external circumstances. It's all about your internal heart. And that's why sometimes you can have a very well-to-do, successful person who ends up uh, just hating life because the external stuff just isn't enough. Sounds like Solomon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is literally Solomon. And then, uh, the last one is contentment is a habitual thing. It shines with a fixed light in the firmament of the soul. Contentment does not appear only now and then as some stars, which are seen, but seldom it is a settled temper of the heart. And he's saying, this is like, you're going to learn whether you're content, not if in one moment you were content, it's look back over time. Are you being content? And that's what's nice. My first response to a bad news might be very fleshly, but in time, am I seeing a trend of delighting and trusting in the sovereignty of God? Okay. So th- that's the conversation. But what do you guys think? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, you're hitting the nail right on the head. I mean, my heart desire um, is for more. Every part of my life is to have more sales, bigger sales. I need to have more people listening to this podcast. I need to have uh, higher numbers in my classes and uh, so on and so forth. Instead of just being, you know what, these are the people that God has brought into my life. I need to invest in them. And that's my responsibility than leaving those results up to the Lord. Um, contentment flows into finances, ministry, every part of life. And it's a... It's huge. This is great. Yeah. And to go back to what we kind of quipped at earlier, I preached in chapel a year or two ago 
about finding wisdom and, and in the pursuit of wisdom, contentment is a big part of that. And, and when we, we talked, we, we were quoting Hebrew from the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's not a perfect direct quote, but Biyom Tov is in the day of goodness. When things are going well, everyone's like, oh, this is great. God but, is good. He's yeah. blessed me. But then what happens in the Biyom Ra'ah? Like what in is the day the of evil. There you go. And it's actually a play on words in Ecclesiastes. In the day of good, good. In the day of evil, and he, and he wants you to remember it phonetically, it's ra'ah is evil, ra'ah is an imperative to think. So in the day of evil, think. And he says, think about what? God has made both of those days. And so it can, the contentment really is, it is not, it is not from the circumstances. It's internally seeing the circumstances the right way. So I don't know if I ever told you this, Charlie, but you preached that in chapel like a year and a half ago. And what you didn't, I don't know if I've told you this. I got some really bad news uh, that week. I'm, it's private bad news. It's okay. Don't worry. My life is fine. Um, but I was really struggling with it. And your sermon was huge balm to my soul because of that thing. Like here I am looking at this situation that didn't turn out the way I wanted it. And it was really, I was very frustrated with it. And like, how can this happen? And your thoughts were helping me to see that, oh, I'm having a problem with the sovereignty of God here. I really am. So that was very nourishing. Well, praise the Lord. And uh, I always think just a homiletical note too, is to have a point that is phonetically memorable because I've actually had students, and this is not to exalt me, I'll exalt my professors who've taught me how to preach. Uh, we've had him on the podcast, Dr. Doug. He always wants you to have points that are application driven so that people can remember your point. They remember what they're supposed to do. But I think that that point was so good because it was like nobody ever learns Hebrew and you're teaching them a Hebrew phrase. I've had students way after the fact, like, I still remember that too. But anyway... Tim, are you going to close us off here with a thought? Yeah. Or did you have something else? Can I just say one more thing? Go. So I just want to quote Barclay. Um, I think when it comes to contentment, I know we're running a bit long here. When it comes to contentment, I think the key thought to walk away with is that you can't seek to make an external change. That's what all these definitions are seeing in the Bible. If you're not content, the answer is not to seek an external change. It's inward. Barclay says it like this. Ultimately, our afflictions... Our external circumstances do not cause our discontent. They are simply occasions for the corruption of our heart to reveal itself. The deeper problem is a heart problem. Rebellion lies in the deep in the deep in the human heart. So I would just say that today on the contentment issue, if you if you recognize, man, I'm just always discontent, and then you're seeking a better job or seeking more money or whatever. The 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 hope, the gospel hope here is that the solution isn't external. It's internal, and the Lord has a way that you can address that in his word. Here's our final thought from God's word. I'm going to look at Exodus 31 uh, as we close here. I'm going to read verses 12 through 17. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. 
Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now, the reason I chose this text is um, partly because of listener feedback. Uh, Somebody contacted us wanting us to expound a little bit more on the Sabbath rest, and it coincides quite well with what uh, Thinkling Stearns was talking about with contentment. And this is something that I've personally grown in. I'm not very good at taking a rest or a break. Uh, Christopher Ashe's book, I just blanked out on the title, it's uh, Zeal Without Burnout, Okay, he talked about you're not God, and so you need to take a break every once in a while. And uh, I took that seriously, and I need to take a rest. But am I fulfilling the what is it, the fourth commandment, or whichever one it is in the list? Okay, am I fulfilling that commandment to uh, remember the Sabbath day? And the answer is no. And the reason for that is because of what the Sabbath commandment is in this text. What did I, I tried to slow down and emphasize some of these points. In verse 16, Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Okay, the Sabbath uh, obedience was a direct uh, aspect, part of the covenant between the Lord and Israel. In fact, the Lord emphasizes that in the very next verse. It is a sign between me. This is verse 17. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. You see, it's this, the Sabbath obedience is a sign between the Lord and Israel uh, forever. And so this is something that corresponds to um, the Jewish people, the Israelites in the Old Testament, and their covenant God. However, there is a principle that should be adhered to, and that's what I really learned through, is that really when I'm working seven days a week, what's the problem? I'm not content. Okay. I mean, maybe that's not always the case, but a lot of times I think, and that's what I identified it with in my own life is that I'm not content. I'm not satisfied. I need to do, I need to be a little bit more. God is going to use this or whatever. In fact, what God wants me to do, however, is to trust in him and, and I needed to rest. So there's a principle of rest within the scriptures. You're not supposed to just work all the time. You are not God. You need to rest. And I believe that coincides very closely to the idea of contentment and being content with what God's given you. However, the the Sabbath commandment is not something that we as believers, as New Testament believers, need to adhere to. And so if you're kind of wondering, well, where's the scriptural support for that? Well, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16, it states specifically, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or... Sabbaths. Okay. And um, so from a New Testament biblical, a full biblical theological um, explanation of the Sabbath, which I'm not, we're not going to go through right now. We see that the Sabbath commandment is not something that is um, uh, enforced upon the church, 
but a principle of rest is. So maybe you've been like, oh yeah, I don't need to obey the Sabbath commandment. I can just go and work and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? You still need to take a break. And so my Sunday, is that's a day that works for me. My Sunday, I try to relax. The afternoon, I like to just sit on my couch and read a book. Sometimes I might go out and actually wash the car. I actually can enjoy that. Some people look at his work. I just can get out and get my feet wet and, and enjoy that. Uh, maybe not in January, but and I would just encourage you, sit down and relax and, and make sure you're taking some rest. And when you're taking that rest, be content and grateful in the goodness that God has given you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.